the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. And welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Hi, my name is Rhody Fisher, and I'll be your host today. And we're coming to you live from Corona, California at Hope Radio. I'm sure you heard that leading song, which is so my favorite. Thank you, Clint Gonzalez, for writing that for this show. And 3-in-1, who is singing that. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We ask that you would bless this time, Lord, and give listeners ears to hear. Help us with the words to say, Lord, let it be your words. Be with Sean and Guy in the booth there. And... um, myself and my special guest, Dina Mabe, um, as we um, share our hearts. Lord, bless this time and help us, Lord, to do what you want us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today I'm going to be back in Psalms. Um, The last couple of days I've talked about Psalm 1 and 2. And if you recall, in Psalm 1, we're talking about the righteous man, uh, the perfect man, Um, And it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I find that interesting how God says that because it's not like blessed is the man who has all this stuff or blessed is the man who, you know, is getting all this, you know, the children or whatever. But it's blessed is the man that doesn't have something. I find that interesting But we already kind of talked about that, but I was thinking about that this morning. Blessed is a man. He doesn't want us to be under the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't say the wicked. He says the ungodly. People that are living maybe a good life somewhere, maybe your neighbor, but they're ungodly. You know, not under the ungodly. Okay, so then also in um, chapter 1, he talks about... um, the chaff and how it can blow in the wind and it just is worthless and that's the ungodly and also in chapter 2 it really expounds on the ungodly Um, the ungodly people they don't want to have anything to do with God the ungodly um, I'm going to say nation the ungodly people over us like you know maybe a boss maybe a you know somebody in office um, but all these ungodly people is kind of what's going on today. But, you know, it ends with the Lord. You know, the Lord is going to come back soon and very soon. So we're going to be in Chapter 3 today, and we're talking about um, 
David, who is king, and he's writing this, and it's where Absalom, his son, one of his favorite sons, actually, and he is um, trying to take over the throne. Um, he's whispering in people's ears in the in the marketplace and being such a help to them, giving them words that they want to hear, and he's trying to steal the throne. And the Bible even says that um, he is, you know, stealing the hearts of the people mm. is how he worms him, him his way in. So I told you about not banging the table. Here I am. Anyhow, um, so we're talking about that time. And, you know, David in the middle of the night leaves the leaves his palace and takes off to the desert for safety and you can read that in um, no second samuel 15 i believe the whole story and i would recommend that you do but this is where he's doing that and david tells his commander um do not if you find, bring him to bring absalom to me do not kill him and um unfortunately as as Absalom is riding the mule, he his hair gets caught in the tree and he gets hung and he's still alive. But you know, um, he gets killed by the commander of of David. So here is here is the psalm that David writes at this time. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there will there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, are the shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cry un, unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. Lay me down and sleep. I awaken, for the Lord sustaineth me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. That is such a beautiful psalm. That he writes. I do want to say a couple of things here too. I was reading it this morning, and I even said to Dina here, um, in verse five, he says, "I lay me down and sleep." I'm thinking ten thousand people are after me. My son, whom I love, is after me, trying to steal everything I have and trying to kill me. I I could not sleep a wink if that were me. But he's praying to the Lord, lay me down, let me rest. And he does rest. He does sleep. And God takes care of his enemies, smites them. And, and of course, the end, salvation belongeth to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. If you don't know the Lord today, today is a day of salvation for you. I keep thinking time is so short. Um, Jesus is coming back soon. We've got to get ready. He's coming back for Holy Church. 
Anyway, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray that you would target it to just the right people to hear that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Thank you, guys. I want to introduce my special guest, but before I do that, I think I met her in 1991, maybe 1990, at Calvary Chapel Anaheim. And the reason I think that is because in 1991 is when I joined the choir. Um, I met Mark, and I joined the choir because he was in the choir, and it was a couple years before we got married. And um, I I think I it was either... 91 or maybe 92, as late as 92. And we have, our lives have been woven throughout the years in many different areas. Number one, we went to Calvary Chapel Anaheim together. And then we went to Calvary Anaheim to start to help Rich Cathers get, get that church in Calvary Chapel Fullerton started. And we felt led and blessed by Pastor Mark to go and help Pastor um, Rich, and we went. Um, we were in ministry there together and doing different things, however, side by side in many areas. And it was such a small church at the time that we just knew everyone. And then we did the Muslim ministry, and I remember you joining us in that. So, several other things, too. But welcome, Thank Dina, you. this morning. Thank you. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Okay. Just for our listeners, because I want them to get to know you a little bit more, like I've known you. And I'd like to have you tell us, um, you know, where you were born, how you grew up, what the family dynamic was, and um, did you go to church on Sundays? Was this a, you know family that didn't go to church. Tell me about that. So I was born in Inglewood. Okay. And so uh, my parents moved to the valley. So I was a valley girl for three months. And then my parents moved down to Oceanside. Uh, Technology was moving forward very quickly. And my dad um, had a job with Hughes Aircraft. So they opened up a, um, yeah, a site down in Oceanside, and, and we had a house just below where he worked, and it was on a hill, and they were good times, uh, but my family wasn't a church-going family. My mom believed in God. My dad had some other ideas. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, Sundays was a free day for you guys. Didn't really go to church, and you just did whatever, you know, you'd do on the weekends, right? Yeah, but, you know, God had a plan. Yes, he did. So we moved down the street from a Lutheran pastor, Pastor Stenberg. Okay. But it wasn't Pastor Stenberg that I first got to know. It was my friend, Kari Stenberg, and that led to meeting her folks. And her dad was persuasive, and he talked my dad into letting me go to their Lutheran church. And I can remember a couple of things uh, very early uh, in my childhood. I remember sitting in my closet in Oceanside, and I just remember a presence near me. And I felt comforted 
I didn't know him as God because we're talking pretty young. Okay. I, I must have been three, four years old. And uh, so I get to know Kari and um, I start going to the Lutheran church and Pastor Stenberg said, well, you need to be baptized. And just as though it was yesterday, I remember going out to the backyard behind the church and there was a little concrete um, like it looked like a small bird bath and it had water in it. And I remember being water baptized and I know that I know that God came that day. I, I, it is one of those life changing days. Yeah. So my home was, uh, I have to be careful what I say, but my home was um, not exactly completely church-going. Uh, when we moved to Westminster, my mom and I would attend a Lutheran church there, and I remember that. And then during the Jesus People movement, uh, a friend of mine, Sue McCrary, uh, she has a different name now, Sue McCrary and I decided, you know, after we do our, our homework, so and how old were you at that time? 13. 13, okay. Yeah. And I opened up my eyes, and I looked around, and for some reason, I thought something like, you know, I don't know if a choir should show up, and nothing physical happened. So I thought, okay, I'll go to bed. But three weeks later, God works. And on the high school um, intercom, you know, there would be announcements in the morning. So an announcement went out that uh, Diana Kramer in, uh, needs help painting a mural in the uh, theater lobby. And if you want to, you know, help paint a mural, she'll show you how. So I went. She told me about her church across the street, and the rest is history. So I told the Lord to come in. And he set up a divine appointment with someone who would help me find him. Yeah, here you are in a family that's not necessarily church-going, even though your mother tries here and there to take you. Um, but that steady walk and that steady camaraderie that you really need to grow, God allowed you to find. In, Absolutely. In, in different ways. Um, with the pastor and his daughter and, you know, going to these little um, Maranatha um, concerts at um, at uh, Knott's Berry Farm and all those things. So God is taking you on this journey walk with him. Okay, so um, I'd like to ask you, so now you've committed your life to Jesus, is there a time that you feel like I need to serve him. You know, I always felt like my job as a parent was to see that my kids knew God, loved God, and ultimately served God. I don't know how in you know how that was going to happen in their lives, but for me, if I if I led them to the Lord, that was, you know, the ultimate goal. If they could now, you know, love him, and then serve him, I mean, hallelujah, right? So where is it in your walk with Jesus that you decide, I need to do something? Not because this is going to get me into heaven, but I love him so much that I want to begin serving him. Well, the, the first church that I attended, the pastor 
remember, this is during the Jesus People Movement. Right. So um, evangelism was a natural expression. Mm-hmm. So uh, my future husband, myself, and a few other people in the pastor would go from church to church, and we would sing, he would preach, you know. Um, I remember being so nervous the first time I stood up and saying, Jesus loves me, and I, you know, my voice was, you know, very nervous. And uh, so, okay, so it was modeled. No, not at that time. Just singing. Just singing. Jim played the guitar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because he was studied in playing the guitar, not so much me. So, what past what the pastor um, modeled for us was serving the Lord. So it was a value. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a large home in Westminster. My husband eventually lived there. It was called the Parsonage, and there were a lot of people that lived with him. And um, he was big on feeding the homeless. He was big on everywhere he went. He outreach. talked outreach, just natural life, and cam- what you might call a campaign. Mm-hmm. So it was modeled in our church. And we actually met on... Uh, Friday nights, um, and then he sent everyone back to the churches that their families were attending. And he wanted to be someone who would unify the church together and not try to divide the church by creating another place for all of these you know, young people to go to. Interesting concept. So it was modeled early on. Um, you know, I eventually became a mom. And there were just natural things that that happened. You know, people would come to me for prayer, advice, whatever. And uh, I did things like start Mom and Kids Fellowship at Calvary Anaheim. So I was a mom who loved the Word, and I just encouraged other moms to get together. And we supported one another, and we let the kids run around. Uh, Peter was, I have five kids, and Peter was six weeks old when I started the first Mom and Kids Fellowship. And that must have been at Rossier then. Or maybe it was Boero? I don't, well, we started going at Boero. Okay, so it was Boero then. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I started, too. I mean, I did go to some of the other venues going with my friend Emily but that they had, but I started at Bowero and then quickly moved to... Uh, okay, so this was Calvary Anaheim. Uh, so the Lord brought you into ministry with um, sharing the gospel with people, um, playing or singing with your who was not your husband at the time, but became your husband in different outreaches that you were doing with this other pastor, as well as now um, leading a, a, a little Bible study with new moms. Great. Okay, now, I, I see how this is going, and since I know you, I can see that you were in a lot of different other ministries as well, Um in the choir, and worship bands, and um, Bible study. So tell me what the progression was. So now you've got this little group of kids and moms. And so what's next? Um, where is the calling on your life after the, the very next thing? 
Well, I don't know if you remember, but I ran the children's ministry for a while at Anaheim, Calvary okay. Anaheim. Uh-huh. And Mark was one of my teachers, yes. and he brought this lady. I know. And I got to meet Rhody. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's I I yeah. think that's where we met. Probably, yes. Yeah. Um okay, so that was 1992 then. That would have been 1992 or 93 um that we were teaching together um because he was yeah, okay, at Calvary and I. So now you're heading the whole the whole Sunday Wednesday, school Wednesday night. Oh, just the Wednesday night, right? Because there were there was the Wednesday night ministry, Sunday morning, and I was I don't recall there was a third person that would come to the meetings. Maybe there was a Saturday night meeting. I don't recall, but there was a few of us that were running children's ministry, and we would meet with Pastor Rich and you know just go over the ministries, coordinate, and all that sort of thing. Right. So and then we felt released to go help uh, Pastor Mark blessed uh, us to go help uh, Calvary Fullerton to start, and I started a prayer meeting there, and it turned into uh, a Bible study, and we had women coming, and you were one of the group leaders. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so long ago it seems. Um, that would be the nineties. <clears throat> so. Now you're, um, you're, tell me a little bit about the, because when, when we went to Fullerton, I shared, I shared the children's ministry with Debbie, not Debbie Cathers, but gosh, Campbell, I think. Oh, right. Right. So, and then, but were you in the worship band then? I can't remember. Not initially. Yeah, not initially because, you know, we had the five kids. So Peter was little. Um, yeah. So that that came later. We were at Fullerton for six and a half years. And um, I, I didn't have Paul yet. He was the last. And so it, eventually I got to sing on the worship team. And, of course, Jim, my husband, was playing guitar. Yeah. That's true. Yes. Yep. Okay. So you're, you guys are busy doing that. Now, I remember, I, I think it was in one of your Bible studies, and I believe it was Heather, and, right, Heather. and knocked on doors mm-hmm. in her neighborhood. Yep. And so I wanted to fill my whole week, you know, like Monday through Friday weekends or something else, but at least with an hour of people knocking on doors. And I was amazed at the response. But that came out of... You know, your your message that you had given at one of the Bible studies, and I just said, let's go for it, girls. And so we did. But, um, yeah, those Bible studies. And then I remember in um, the year 2000, we met George, and we were, um, Mark and was busy trying to write the, the um, in trying to start the ministry up and get it legally you know, named and everything and writing all the paperwork so that we could, you know, be a tax deductible thing. And, um, and then, um, you were part of that ministry too. But even before that, because Mark and I were doing ministry at Victory Outreach, I believe that 
we wrangled you guys into coming to Victory Outreach Men's Bible Study at the Men's Home. Tell me about how that went. So you guys would prepare a bucket load of food. Right. And we would give the um, the house parents uh, a, a break. Right. And you guys would uh, would come and take care of the food and the teaching. So it was the food and the food. Right. And Jim and I would come and we would sing. He would, you know, play. We would, uh, the guitar, and uh, we would leave worship. And uh, those were good times. I know. And, you know, one of the things that I remembered was that, you know, Calvary Chapel has a whole bunch of songs that they always sang. And um, Victory Outreach had a whole different other songs. But they learned our songs. And, um, you know, we'd go every week and... They, we didn't hand out any any words, did we? Or did we? I can't remember. I don't recall. But anyhow, they began to learn our songs. And some of the men, which I'm still in contact with because they're out here at Calvary, um, at Victory Outreach Corona, they still remember those songs. So that was really, really good. And um, sharing the gospel there as well as leading the men to Christ because some of them had not, you know, come to know Christ yet, and it was a progression for them. And I also, Dina, I remember them asking you to do a Bible study for the women's home, and I think you did that about two or three years. It was five. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so I remember going with you in those. And the women were so responsive. And it was more than just um, giving them the word. It was counseling them. I remember how they would, you know, need help on this and that and how you were always there for them. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was such an opportunity to meet a group of women who were coming out of very difficult circumstances they were trying to leave behind a lifestyle that had gotten them into a lot of trouble. And they had, uh, some were vested in a relationship with the Lord, but some not. Mm-hmm. Some were still detoxing, mm-hmm. you know, even while I was uh, teaching sometimes, you know, right. you could, you could see that some of them were really struggling mm-hmm. to stay present. So, um, it was, such an opportunity to bring the values that I had learned at Calvary, but also learn how to integrate with another ministry. That was the end of part one. Tune in next week for the continuation of this On the Road with Jesus program. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. 
Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.